Good morning, Dr. Rajbans. How are you? Good. Good morning. Fantastic. All right. Ready to answer some really tough <laughs> medical questions? <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> he sounds a bit nervous. All right. Here we go. On our DigiLight line, Jesse has written to us saying, I've been suffering from skin allergy for more than eight years now. It's very itchy and flaky. Consulting skin specialists and taking medicine with creams, not helping. Doctor told me I'm allergic to detergents. If medication doesn't work, what would be the alternative for my skin problems? Yeah, I think if what doctors will probably give you just things like, you know, antihistamine steroids, uh, and probably underlying root cause is uh, what you must really tackle. So one thing occurred detergents. With detergents, you have to try to, you know, remove the, the cause of the problem. Uh, sometimes they think they wear things like gloves if they're using detergents. The other thing is actually change your lifestyle because I found patients of mine who've really gone into a healthier lifestyle, taking, you know, cut off all processed foods, all foods that are full of chemicals, going very natural, going into things that are, you know, even organic if possible, taking a lot of fruits, vegetables, or antioxidants, foods that are anti-inflammatory, things like herbs, nuts, and all that, and, you know, getting some exercise, reducing stress, because stress sometimes can cause these exacerbations of skin allergy, any allergy for that example, even asthma. So try lifestyle change. Uh, the other alternative is go and see uh, someone like an immunologist who can actually do a immune test for you. They also got even things like immunotherapy where they can slowly try to you know give you the small doses of your allergen and slowly let you let the body overcome that. So there are things are modalities, but I think lifestyle change is still very important. If you can try all that and see, you know, things like even taking some anti-inflammatories, like, uh, you know, taking some probiotics and uh, taking some antioxidants together with the lifestyle change, sometimes that helps in your, even if it doesn't go away, it will come down a lot and you at least life can be more normal for them. But Dr. Rajman, the detergents bit, right? Even for us, I generally don't have skin allergies, but sometimes it still affects me. But I'm using the same... Um, particular brand or product, whatever it is, right? Why does it happen sometimes and why does it not happen on other occasions? I don't know, maybe just the amount of chemical or uh, that was inside the detergent, whatever that allergen that is for you, maybe, you know, sometimes the levels can fluctuate in these detergents. Mm-hmm. So maybe when you get a bit more, you get some effect and then otherwise it goes away. Okay, Doc, next up we have a Digi Lightline voice message from Warren for you. I've got a in my postage. P-R-O-S-T-A-T, and five years ago, I went to consult urology. So the scissor, last year I take it out, uh, use the autosum, the scissors will be the same, small scissor. So what should I do? What are the side effects? Uh, uh, that's all. A cyst in his prostate from Warren. Yeah, I think cysts are normally very benign, and I think the, that's why urology should normally just observe. He's not causing any symptoms, no problems. Uh, just follow up with the urologist. He'll probably tell you how often to come back and just do a checkup, whether six monthly or yearly, you know, or if any symptoms suddenly appear that are different from before. Uh, but other cysts are very benign. I wouldn't worry, uh, you know, and uh, just follow up with the urologist uh, as requested by the doctor. You know, but and, uh, I don't think so cyst is anything he has to worry about. But if you leave it alone, let's just say he doesn't do anything, does the cyst get worse? It can be anything. Sometimes it might get better. Sometimes it stays the same. Sometimes it can get bigger. So a lot of people actually have cysts, you know, whether in the kidneys, the liver. The breasts. You know, anywhere you can find. Right. Yeah. Find cysts. Yeah. And normally they are benign. So and only today's scans, you can actually make out whether they are cysts that are something that you worry about or just looking benign, looking cysts. So most doctors will just recommend, you know, maybe yearly or six-monthly scan just to keep an eye. Yeah, because I, I went for my prostate check recently, right? And I... Mm-hmm. Uh, was documented on video and everybody saw that. <laughs> How pleasant. Yeah, uh, but the doctor said like, 
if there is a cyst, so they did a regular prostate check. Mm. If there's nothing there, it's fine. But if there is a cyst, that means they have to do a more extensive tests because it might lead to prostate cancer. What are the chances yeah. of someone actually getting cancer from something just starting Probably, out as just a cyst? Uh, depends, depends on the cyst, you know. Some, some, because you know, some cysts are not benign. They look a bit uh, complex. So then, they know, this can be precancerous and then doctors might want to do biopsy or they monitor more closely. Some cysts, they will know from this, you know, that these are very benign looking scans. So the urologist will then recommend Hoffman to come and see them. Doc, on our DigiLight line, we have a message from Mr. Ung who asks, is taking long-term antihistamines bad for health, especially kidneys and liver? A lot of people take antihistamines for whatever reasons. A lot of it is just for allergy. Uh, you know, but they, they're not supposed to have any long-term side effects for kidney or liver. But any medication long-term, I unless really necessary. I mean, if you're taking things like uh, medication for cholesterol, blood pressure, diabetes, those are long-term. You can't just stop them, you know. But uh, things like painkillers, antihistamines, all these, if you can avoid, it's better to avoid because they're still medication and still long-term, your liver still has to work hard to, you know, sort of break down this, uh, this medication. So unless really necessary, you carry on. If not, uh, but if somebody taking a long-term antihistamines, you must find out, oh, I mean, why are they taking it? Is it for some skill allergy or mm. some other allergy? Mm. I would rather look at the underlying cause treat, the underlying cause rather than just taking symptomatic treatment like this. But I do know some people do need antihistamines because they have uh, chronic uh, allergy problems and people do take, uh, they are safe, but you, some of them are sedative, so they must be careful because, you know, sometimes you take antihistamine, you're feeling sleepy and you're driving a car, so these are things that you have to be aware of. There are also uh, antihistamines that are non, uh, you know, uh, sedative, so you can try some of those, but if possible, never take a drug long term. Always get it reviewed by a doctor. See if you're really necessary for you to carry on anything long term. But um, some people like hay fever. I mean, it's not all the time you get it, right? So it's yeah, only just that, that, that's okay. You know, you get a flu, you get a hay fever, you just take some antihistamines for a few days. That's okay. But long term, you must find out why exactly do you need antihistamine long term. And treat the underlying cause. I mean, Doc, if you had to be on antihistamines long term, like, you know, the allergies meant that you were taking it every single day because that's what you needed to do, um, yeah. what would you recommend in terms of um, blood work checkup to, to keep an eye on your, you know, kidney and livers and stuff through, through a blood test? How often do you think one should do that? Yeah, it's very long term, but uh, I would actually make sure that at least every three, four months I would just check and see whether everything is okay or not. All right, Doc, we have another message on our Digi Lightline from Alex this time who says that every morning he has bad congestion mm. and a fully blocked nose, both noses, he says. He's heard that using a neti pot with salt water daily helps. Is this true? What else can he do? I mean, he first has to find out exactly what's causing that problem. Is it allergic rhinitis? Because allergic rhinitis can present sometime early morning where they get all the blocked nose. But most time, allergic rhinitis, you get a lot of sneezing. The other question is whether it's something like vesomotor rhinitis. Again, it's just uh, something that happens to some people. Or is he got sinusitis? Because sinusitis is another chronic condition that can cause nasal congestion. So I think it's still good for him to get the right diagnosis and then see what are the right sort of treatments that are helping. Which one is the worst and which one is the least worst, I suppose? Is sinusitis something that you can grow out of? Yeah, I mean, sinusitis uh, is a chronic uh, sinus infection. So sometimes you get exacerbations where you get infected. But all both are chronic. Uh, so again, uh, you know, t- getting, avoiding the allergen, treating the underlying infection. Uh, lifestyle change again will help. You know, a lot of time people are just having a bad lifestyle, poor immune system that makes this worse. That's why it gets chronic. So they need to do all those sort of things to change their lifestyle and see then what, what will help. 
Well, Doc, do you hold any stock with the neti pot? No, neti no harm. Carry on. That's okay. There's another one, though, where people, like, they put this basin of hot water and then they put, like, some herbs in there and then it steams up. It steams. Does that also help? Yeah, all that will help. You know, some people use menthol. Some use use the same old wicks, you know, that you have that thing. Right, right. All that just menthol. So, all that can help because it releases the congestion, you know, and you definitely feel better. But those are all symptom relief. They don't treat the underlying problem. Right. But ultimately, if all this doesn't work, is surgery really the ultimate... I, I mean, those days, a lot of people used to do surgeries for chronic sinusitis, but you must see whether it's a polyp there, you see some uh, inflammation, you know, whether the nasal deviation, sometimes those things, will, surgery will help. But it's just chronic sinusitis, it's just going to recur again. So that, that one is not something that I it's recommend life. now. And what about fish oil supplements? Because JD, you know, takes those to actually help him it and suggested I, I, I do that with my son to help as well, who also actually suffers from, you know, blocked nose and inflammation. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think because they are very anti-inflammatory. So, you know, uh, they are omega-3 help to reduce your inflammation. So, and I write, uh, you know, I take them for I've been taking from how long. And uh, apart from helping reduce inflammation, it's also good for your good cholesterol, you know, helps blood circulation. So, uh, and I think definitely it helps in some of the allergy conditions by reducing that underlying inflammation. So, yeah, no harm. You know, things like vitamin C, probiotics, fish oil. Some people benefit from you know, things like uh, turmeric. You know, so you have to see which one. Vitamin D is now becoming another big thing in the, in the immune system, right? And I think that's another thing you can look at. So... These are, yeah, but you know, these are what we all, I always say, to supplement your lifestyle, mm-hmm. a good healthy lifestyle, supplement with some of the supplements. Hopefully, you don't have to go into chronic conditions and take a lot of medication. All right, Doc, we have a caller on the line right now. Rosie, what's your condition? Uh, I'm 30 years old and I suffer from dysmenorrhea, where every month my period pain is so bad and I almost every month I have to take emergency leave because I just can't walk. How can I counter this problem? Is there a way? Yeah, it's a terrible, terrible problem to have. I, I actually suffer from that too. Oh, so sure. I'm very excited to hear what Dr. Rajbans has to say. Yeah, I mean, but uh, this is something that uh, hopefully some of them grow out of the condition. They get older, some don't. Uh, some <laughs> Dr. Rajbans, I'm, I'm quite old already. <laughs> <laughs> I still having the problem. So apart from taking painkillers that during that period, uh, some people benefit from, uh, you know, things like uh, giving primrose oil. Some of them, ben- you know, that again, t- taking things that are anti-inflammatory, like your high-dose omega-3s and turmeric and uh, maybe some antioxidants like glutathione. Sometimes it helps. Sometimes it helps to reduce the inflammation, the pain. Uh, you know, uh, so again, uh, things like uh, pre-EPO, even primrose oil, some women find that the pain gets better. Even some have benefited from probiotics, you know, maybe just part of getting the good bacteria in and reducing toxins. Wait, but Asha, you go, you go through it. Do you do the EPO? Yeah, thing? I'm on EPO. I take fish oil. I actually take glutathione, lip, uh, um, lipoic glutathione, all of these things. Unfortunately, there are some of us who literally on those particular days, and it's a different you know set of days for different people, um, it's literally hand me the strongest painkillers you can, and I get them specially from yeah. my doctor because I'm literally in a fetal position in bed. And this has been yeah. since when? Teenagers? Uh, no, this has been uh, um, after having my son and going into perimenopause. Right. 
uh, going in menopause, it's it's gotten worse. Yeah. So anything else? Most people is younger, isn't it? Most of them actually get it earlier, and then as they get older, it gets better. Trust but me, they get it the wrong way around. <laughs> Darn it! Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I'm sure your gynae has checked everything and there's nothing going on otherwise, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Generally, <laughs> Some of yeah. them, if it's uh, very bad, I think at least once you have to see a gynae, make sure it's nothing else that's causing the problem. You know, whether a fibroid there or some sick. Yeah, I mean, I have... Yeah, for yeah. me, it's, it's a lot of fibroids. Um, right. Yeah, okay. which doesn't help. So but you yeah. make sure that you find out what's the underlying cause or if it just, uh, you know, so... And then uh, if... Like for you, it's going to be chronic, so during that period, you need to take the painkillers. And hopefully, later, you know, when the fibroids shrink, everything will go back to normal, the pain will stop. But always, and if you're getting it young, let's say a teenager getting severe pains, at least they should check it once with the doctor, make mm-hmm. sure it's right. the period pain, nothing else is going on. So for Rosie, try the EPO thing. If it's, that still doesn't work, go check with the gynae. Check with the gynae at least once, make sure there's nothing else. And then try all the lifestyle and what uh, Asha said, all the supplements. Mm. If still not, then painkillers are the only option during that period. 